Luke 18, and we're going to jump way down to verse number 15 and read just three short verses uh, in Luke 18. Verse 15, the Bible says, And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter in. To be amazed by the grace of God insinuates that you're amazed that he would love a person as wicked and despicable as you are. If we deserved salvation, we wouldn't be amazed at His grace. It's because we know we deserve hell that we're amazed at the grace of God that would make a way possible for us to be a part of His family. The people of Jesus' day didn't want that grace. And that's what we've been looking at in Luke chapter 18. So let's turn our Bibles back to Luke chapter 18 and uh, look again at some people's, the story of people's lives that uh, were confronted by their need for the grace of God, and yet they didn't want that need. We're confronted this morning with the story of some parents and the burden on their hearts regarding their children. As Christian parents, we take seriously the responsibility to raise our children in light of their eternal destiny. There is no greater responsibility for a parent than to be able to bring their children under the influence of Jesus Christ for their eternal well-being and destiny. This is a consuming desire of Christian parents. They pray for their salvation. They expose their children to gospel truth. They read the Bible in their homes and teach that Bible to their children. They live so that their lives might make the gospel attractive to their children. They bring their children to Sunday school classes, to church services, to revival meetings, submissions conferences. And they shield their children from sinful attractions that would compete with the appeal from the Holy Spirit that would draw their children to a holy God. This is the work of parenting. This is the consuming passion of Christian parents to be able to bring their children under the influence of Jesus Christ for their salvation, for their sanctification, and for their eternal well-being. It's the heart of Christian parenting. And this morning, the bottom line up front, the bluff, as you see at the top of your little worksheet, is let's get the children to Jesus. Let's get them in the influence of Jesus. Let's get children to the point, to the place where the Spirit of God can draw them to Jesus. This is our desire. You know, Jewish families had a long heritage of bringing children to a rabbi. They would often bring children to a rabbi so that the rabbi could lay his hand on the child, pronounce a blessing on the life of the child, Pray to God for the child. This was a long-standing heritage and tradition amongst Jewish people. I love the touching story 
that comes out of Egypt when uh, Jacob, who, as you know, God renamed Israel, and uh, that's where the nation of Israel came from. Jacob was renamed Israel. He had 12 sons. They were the 12 sons of Israel. They got married and had kids. They were the 12 families of Israel. They, uh, their descendants grew and multiplied, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. They became a mighty nation of a couple million people, and they were known as the nation of Israel. It all began with Jacob. And when Jacob was getting ready to die, there's a scene at the end of the book of Genesis where Jacob is about to die. And so one of his sons, Joseph, brings his two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and he brings his, his sons to their grandfather. So we've got, we've got uh, uh, Jacob or, or Israel. We've got his son, Joseph. We've got his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and Jacob begins to talk about his grandparents and, 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 and the ancestors behind him. He began to talk about Abraham, who had born Isaac, who had born Jacob. So we got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who was renamed Israel, Joseph, and we've got Joseph's two boys. We've got five generations mentioned in a blessing. As this grandpa got his two grandsons close to him as he was about to die. And it's a precious picture. It's a precious scene. As he lays his hands on those two boys' heads. And he prays a simple prayer. He said, God, bless the lads. God, bless the lads. It was a tradition amongst Jewish people. They wanted their rabbis to pronounce a blessing on their children. We see that in, in the early life of Jesus Christ. He was only about six weeks old. When Joseph and Mary brought him onto the temple platform. And there on the temple platform, a man by the name of Simeon was walking across the platform and saw this young couple, Joseph and Mary, and this newborn infant, about six weeks old. And he went over to them and they, they were there to present him to the Lord. They wanted him to be prayed for and a blessing pronounced on him. And Simeon took him up into his arms. And he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he, and he was an old man. He says, God, I'm ready to go home to glory. For now mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What a great picture of a spiritual leader holding an infant in his arms. Recognizing the power of God. The will of God, the plan of God, the purpose and determination of God in the life of a little infant. Children being brought to God, put under his influence, is an important part of parenting. It is the essence of Christian parenting. Well, we've come in our study of Luke's gospel to this time where he's just, he's getting really close to his crucifixion. If you look ahead, you'll, you'll, in chapter 19, Palm Sunday occurs. That's the next chapter. That's how close we are to getting to the, the, the uh, crucifixion week. Jesus is getting closer and closer to his, to his uh, crucifixion in Jerusalem. And he's teaching about, he taught about his second coming, when he was coming back to establish his kingdom. He's, uh, he's met different people and uh, talked to different people about whether they were going to be in the kingdom or whether they weren't going to be in the kingdom. 
Uh, last message, we saw a very religious man who was not going to be in the kingdom. His religion had turned him away from God. He was proud, pompous, egotistical, and thought God uh, ought to be proud of how good he was. And Jesus said, you're not going to make it, buddy. You won't be in the kingdom. And we saw, by contrast, a, a despicable publican. And Jesus, and, and, he, and he beat his, his breast in, 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 so moved emotionally over his wickedness, his sinfulness. And he was there on the temple platform and he said, oh God, would you be merciful to me, a sinner? Jesus said, you got it, buddy. You're going to be in the kingdom. And so we have all of these stories about who's going to be in the kingdom, who's not going to be in the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, we have placed in the middle of all these adults, because he's going to go back to adults in the next section. In the midst of this section of dealing with adults, he has something precious to say about dealing with children. The value of children. The place of children. His heart for children. And here we have some parents that are bringing their children onto the temple platform to get them under the influence of Jesus Christ. He's still here on the temple platform like he was last week. They're there on the temple platform. All the commotion, the publican, the Pharisee. He's just told the story of dealing with them. And then these parents come and bring to Jesus Christ their children. They want him to bless their children. This is a little short story that is told in all three of the synoptic gospels. So you'll find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I gave you the references at the top of your little worksheet there. The places in Matthew, Mark, and Luke where this story, the same story is recorded. Each one adds a little bit of a different detail that others didn't include. So if you read all three of them, you get a composite picture and you get more information about what happened this day as these parents brought their children to Jesus. Our text in Luke chapter number 18 and verse 15 says they brought unto him also infants. Infants. The word translated infants is, it looks, when it's spelled out in English, it looks like breath. It's the word for a infant that hasn't been born yet or has just been born. This same word is used in 1 Peter 2, 2 and translated newborn babes. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. And, and God used the picture of a newborn infant and its insatiable desire for milk. And he used that as an illustration to say we as Christians ought to have an insatiable desire for the Word of God. Just like a little newborn baby. And so, this word, the, the, the Gospel of Luke says that these parents were bringing their infants. Brand new babies. Like Jesus, who was just six weeks old when Joseph and Mary brought him onto the temple platform. Now, Matthew and Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew and Mark, record a different word. They use a word that is often translated and is translated in Matthew and Mark, little children. It could be anywhere. It's used. It was, the word was used of, of children anywhere from, from the time they were born up to toddlers, just little kids, little toddlers. And, uh, and they were little children. Matthew and Mark say that 
the parents brought little children to Jesus to get him them under his influence. Luke says, also infants. So they were bringing little children and also brand new babies, little infants to Jesus, wanting Jesus to put his hands on them and pray for them, wanting them under the influence of Jesus Christ. Now, Luke goes ahead in the next verse, in verse number 16, and he speaks of them as little children, suffer little children. And again, in verse number 17, uh, as a little child, and he uses the same word used in Matthew and Mark's account. Now, when you put all that together, the Bible is very clear. Parents were bringing their little children to Jesus, toddlers, little kids. They wanted to bring their kids to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to put his hand in, on them and bless them. They wanted Jesus to pray for their kids. And they were also bringing even their little infants, their newborn babies to Jesus. They, they were bringing all of their kids, also their babies, to bring them to Jesus Christ where Jesus Christ could bless them. And Matthew says that Jesus put his hands on them and prayed for them. Mark says he touched them. Luke says he touched them. Matthew says he laid hands on them. Mark says he took them up into his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I mean, this is happening. Different families bringing different children, different ages up to Jesus. Some of them he, he, he laid their hand on, they pronounced a blessing. Some he picked up into his arms, held them up into his arms, and put his hand on them and blessed them and prayed for them. We have all these parents and all these children, all these things happening. In this very busy day of Jesus' life, when he's been busy dealing with adults. And the parents want their kids to be brought to Jesus. What does it take to bring children to Jesus Christ? I want you to look at, uh, I want you to consider three issues that come out of parenting children uh, from this uh, short story of Jesus. I want you to see, first of all, the issue of salvation. The context is who's in the kingdom and who's not in the kingdom. That has been the context before this story. That is the context after this story. It's all about who's going to go to heaven and who's not going to go to heaven. Who will be in the kingdom and who won't be in the kingdom. And this passage deals with the same. Verse number 15, uh, verse number 16, Jesus called them, the parents, unto him with their children, said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Who's going to be in the kingdom of God? Who's going to be in heaven? I'll tell you who's going to be in heaven. Infants and toddlers. Infants and toddlers are going to be in heaven. You know, there's a lot of comfort in that when you think of all the children that are being murdered in our country today. A lot of comfort in that for the parent that lost their child at a very early age. I, 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 I still remember the first time I preached the funeral of a little child that was born, stillborn. The little white casket wasn't any bigger than this. And it was a difficult time for those parents. But you know, it's comforting to know that these little babies and these little toddlers of such is the kingdom of heaven. These are the ones that are going to be in heaven. 
Every, every child, every toddler that died in their young, early life, tragically passed out of this human life into the presence of God. They were safe in the sheepfold of God's love. They're going to be in heaven. The Bible tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. There'll be a day if that child survives its infancy, if that child lives beyond its toddler years, if that child grows up, there'll be a day when that little sheep that has been safe in the sheepfold of Jesus Christ will go astray. And now if they die, they won't be in heaven. They go astray. Isaiah said, oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own ways. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. For the ones that survived their infancy and their childhood. And went astray from God. Luke tells the story. We looked at it in detail in chapter 15. He told a parable about how that a shepherd will, will leave 99 sheep that are safe in the fold. And he'll go out and risk his life going out trying to find that one sheep that went astray. We saw that as a beautiful picture of how Jesus Christ goes after those who grow up and go astray from God. But, but you know who's going to be in heaven? I'll tell you who's going to be in heaven. Infants and toddlers who die in their infancy, die in their early life. Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of God. These are ones that will be in the kingdom at this stage in their lives. You know who else is going to be in heaven? Verse number 17 says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever, not just infants and toddlers, but anybody, anybody, whosoever, shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, shall in no wise enter in. You know who's going to be in the kingdom of God? Adults who act like infants and toddlers. Nobody that doesn't act like an infant or a toddler will be in heaven. The only ones that will be in heaven will be people that act like infants and toddlers. What do you mean they act like infants and toddlers? They come to Jesus like an infant and a toddler. You know, it's an amazing thing to deal with children that are so trusting, so receptive. They haven't gone astray yet. They don't present ten arguments about why they don't believe in God. They don't love their sin and love this world so much that they'll, they'll take this world over God any day of the week. No, they're still little children, trusting. They believe what you teach them when you teach them about God. They'll have a gleam in their eye when you tell them stories about heaven. You know who's going to be in heaven? People who are like infants and toddlers. So different than the proud Pharisee. Filled with himself, filled with his pride and his ego, filled with all of his self-righteousness. A child, so different. When you tell them the truth about salvation and Jesus, the Bible, heaven, they're trusting. They're, they believe it. It, it. It's real to them. Jesus Christ said even if after you go astray, and as an adult, you can't be in heaven unless you come the way a little child comes. With a simple, childlike faith. A simple trust in God. 
I put two little words in your in your um, in your little worksheet there. The, the two phrases: humble dependence on others and receptivity. Those are both powerful truths. But the character of children, a child unable to care for itself, unable to do for itself, happily depends on others to provide. An adult has to come to the point in their life with it, just like a little child. They're not trying to impress God. They're not trying to earn their way. They're not trying to gain entrance into heaven based on their ability to take care of themselves. They're trusting, just like a child trusts mom and dad to have the dinner on the table every day. Just like a child trusts mom and dad that they're going to have a bed to sleep in tonight. They, they trust. They believe. And just like a little child's willingness to humbly depend on others, a person has to come to the point in their life where they realize, I've blown it. I'm on my way to hell. I can't trust myself. I can't depend on myself. I can't earn it myself. I have to humbly and simply, like a child, trust Jesus Christ to do for me what I can't do for myself. You know who's going to be in heaven? Little infants and toddlers that didn't survive their infancy and early life. And adults who act like little infants and toddlers. And come to God with a humble dependence on Him. Relying on Him. Receiving Him. What a contrast to the proud Pharisee that Jesus just talked about. Ran across an interesting quote from a man, a scholar by the name of Linsky, who said back in history, he said, as the flower in the garden stretches toward the light of the sun, so there is in the child a mysterious inclination toward the eternal light. Have you ever noticed this mysterious thing that when you tell the smallest child about God, it never asks with, strangest, with strangeness and wonder what or who is God. I've never seen him. But listens with shining face to the words as though they were soft, loving sounds from the land of home. Or when you teach a child to fold its little hands in prayer, it does this as though it were a matter of course, as though... There were opening for it that world of which it had been dreaming with long anticipation. Or tell, or tell them, these little ones, the stories of the Savior. Show them the pictures with scenes and personages of the Bible and, and see how their pure eyes shine and how their little hearts beat. I'll tell you who's going to be in heaven. Adults who act like kids when it comes to spiritual things. Adults who have simple faith and confidence and trust and belief in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. That God is holy and you're not. And God loves you enough that he came down and went to the cross of Calvary and he bore the judgment of eternal God for your sin. And if you'll reach out to him, he'll wash your sin away. He'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. If you just come to God like a little child with trust, that's who will be in heaven. So there's the issue of salvation. 
This story is a story about the issue of who goes to heaven and who doesn't go to heaven. Proud people, religious people, don't go to heaven. People who think they're good enough to earn heaven, they don't go to heaven. People who think that they don't need the death of Jesus Christ in their place don't go to heaven. People who think that they're too good for hell don't go to heaven. The ones who go to heaven are those who don't survive their early childhood. And the ones who grew up and went astray, who come back to God with the simple faith of a little child. This is the issue of salvation. Let me show you a second issue. Second issue is the issue of attitude. See, it's the main part of this story is the issue of attitude. Attitude. Uh, the, the parents, they, they want their children under the influence of Jesus Christ. Uh, they have an attitude toward their children and an attitude toward Christ where they want, they're, they're going to go out of their way, they're going to do what they can do to get their children into a place where the person of Jesus Christ will influence their children. But there were some that, that didn't want that. They were the disciples. They had an attitude problem toward children. Uh, the Bible says that they were rebuking the parents. Can't you see that Jesus is busy talking to important people called adults? Can't you see that Jesus Christ is busy dealing with things that are of vital importance? He doesn't have time for your children. Would you stop bringing your children? Jesus is busy. And they rebuked the parents. And they blocked the parents. And they tried to stop the parents from bringing their children to the influence of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ didn't like that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in Mark's account, the Bible says that Jesus was much displeased. Mark 10, 14, the disciples rebuked those who brought the children and Jesus was much displeased at what the parents were doing. That phrase, much displeased, means that he felt a violent irritation. It comes from the word much and the word to grieve. Jesus was much grieving over the attitude of the disciples. He was feeling a violent irritation towards his own disciples for having the audacity to insinuate that children aren't important enough for Jesus to take time for them. And so Jesus was angry. Jesus summoned his disciples. He had a few words with them. Told them to allow the parents to bring the children. Suffer the little children to come. Let the kids come. Stop blocking the parents. Let them bring their children to me. It was an attitude problem in Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is one of the only times the Bible records that Jesus got angry at his own disciples. He was angry with them because they were blocking parents from bringing their children to him. You know, Jesus cares about children. <laughs> it is not a bother to Jesus for parents to bring their children. Jesus wants to have an influence in the lives of infants and toddlers. 
The lessons you teach infants and toddlers singing songs about the Bible to them. Whispering prayers in their ear while they're laying there drifting off to sleep. Pictures you show them in their little picture Bible storybook as you tell the stories of Jesus. Create an impression on their precious little souls that Jesus Christ cares very much about. Jesus loves the little children. Their story is, has an issue about children. By the way, if, if you spend considerable time, if you have children under your care, and you spend considerable time keeping them under the influence of Jesus Christ, Jesus will give you a high five. Jesus wants parents to do that. And he wants churches to do that. And these disciples really missed it, thinking that the children's ministry was not all that important. And Jesus got angry and had words with his disciples about their attitude towards children. If you work in the nursery, if you work in the children's ministry, you're doing what Jesus Christ has very dear to his heart. You're bringing influence into the lives of little children, toddlers and infants that is precious to the heart of Jesus Christ. There's an issue of attitude. If you're too busy to bother with children, you don't impress Jesus Christ. He gets angry at people that are too busy to bother with children. So there's an issue of salvation. This story is about who goes to heaven and who doesn't go to heaven. There's an issue about attitude, whether we have an attitude that is very positive and favorable toward little babies and little toddlers, or whether we think they're a bother and they need to be put out of the way for Jesus to do really important work. There's an issue of attitude. Then finally, I want you to see there's an issue of responsibility. There's an issue of responsibility. And this issue of responsibility cuts two ways. And, and, and we have a picture of... of of a really good job at responsibility. And we have a picture of a really bad job at responsibility wrapped together here. And I think this is the core of this story. It's the responsibility of the parents. And it's the lost opportunity of the responsibility of the disciples. It's an issue of responsibility of what we're doing to get children to Jesus Christ. Parents were doing what their, their religious writings had told them to do. They, they were taking their children to a respected rabbi, wanting him to bless them, lay his hands on them, pray for them, pronounce a blessing on them. They were doing what they knew to be the right thing to do, while the disciples, who would be like you and I, the members of the church, while the disciples were standing in the way, trying to keep the kids from being brought under the influence of Jesus Christ. So we have four different groups of people here. We've got Jesus, we've got the children, we've got the parents, we've got the church members. And the story is simple. You know the story. Children need Jesus. And when children have the opportunity, they have a favorable disposition toward Jesus. They want Jesus. 
to have an influence on them. I see that. I'm not Jesus. But I use Hershey Kisses to make sure children want to come and be under my influence. And that's why every Sunday night and Wednesday night I get out my Hershey Kiss man. Make sure the kids have a disposition that they want to come and see the pastor. And be blessed with a Hershey Kiss. We have the children. We have parents who know the value of this. The importance of this. And the disciples blocking their way. What's Jesus' message? I would, I would say Jesus' message to his disciples, who I, in my way of thinking represent the Christian family around the parents, I would say Jesus' message to the church is this. Church, get out of the way! If you're hindering parents from bringing their children under the influence of Jesus Christ, get out of the way. I like it when children come to church. I like it when they're sitting here in the auditorium. I like it when parents bring their little kids into the auditorium and, and the kids grow up uh, worshiping God with their parents in the auditorium. I, I, I like it when children want to be close to Jesus and parents want their children to be brought under the influence of the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. I think the church needs to be careful about about insinuating that children are not top-tier people. Someone said, oh, we had, uh, we had two and a half people got saved Sunday. They said, oh, really? Two and a half people got saved. He had, he had uh, two adults and a child. They said, oh, no. The adults are only half a people. They've, they've already wasted most of their life. They're the halves. We had, we had, the children have a whole life in front of them. Children are top-tier people to bring under the influence of Jesus Christ. You know, tables have turned a little bit, though. I've got to say that it's not always the case. Thank God it's not always the case. But sometimes children who desperately need the influence of Jesus Christ don't have parents that understand their responsibility. They're too busy with their jobs. They're too busy with their careers. They're too busy with sports. They're too busy with hobbies. Or they're just too lazy. To have their children under the influence of Jesus Christ. In the story, it was the parents who were doing all they could to get their kids there. And it was the church that was pushing them away. Sometimes the table gets turned and it's the church with the ministries and the invitations and the efforts to get children, to get parents. Please bring your children. Please bring your children. And it's the parents who say, I'm too busy. Do you read your Bible to your kids at night? I'm too busy. Do you pray with your kids? No, I'm watching TV. The news is on. Too often it's the parents who are too busy or too lazy to bring their children under the influence of Jesus Christ. And it's, sometimes it's Christian workers that are begging parents. Would you bring your child to my Sunday school class? Would you let your kids come to our Pee Wee Pirates? Would, would, you, would, you, would you? And the tables get turned a little bit. So let me wrap up the message by saying this. What's the solution? The solution is simple. By the way, if you didn't notice, there's a backside to this. The, the, the solution is simple. The solution is two parts. You see it on the little back of the worksheet. 
The solution is simple. It's parents do your job and church do your job. That's the solution. The solution for everyone is just do our responsibility to influence the next generation. Parents, do your job. The Bible says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Parents, do your responsibility. Deuteronomy 6 says, parents, these things must be in your heart, and then you must teach them to your children day in and day out, 24-7, morning, noon, night, weekends, evenings. Everywhere you go, always be teaching the Word of God to your children. Parents, do your part. So, here's a list of, of uh, statements there under do your part. First of all, develop a biblical worldview. We live in an anti-God culture. I saw on the news yesterday how someone in an Elizabeth, no, it was uh, Ocasio uh, Cortez uh, rally. Uh, somebody jumped up and said, uh, we need to get rid of all the babies. Save the earth. We live in a bizarre culture. We live in an anti-God, hateful culture. If, if you allow the culture to influence you, you'll think that it's, it's irresponsible to have more than one child. If you listen to an anti-God, anti-biblical culture, you'll believe that once, once a person has two children, if they don't ever have any more than two children, you are going to cost us the planet. We live in a weird world. Weird world. Employers can't find anyone to work because we've murdered so many babies in America. I would say, as parents, develop a biblical worldview about babies. And here's the place I'd encourage you to start. Nancy Campbell's book, Be Fruitful and Multiply. Great book on God's view of babies and children. When I first read this book, I was, I, I was born in, in uh, the 50s, so I went through high school in the late 60s into 1970. And uh, part of the, the, the hippie uh, time in America, all of that going on. And, and, uh, and I didn't understand a lot of things about the biblical perspective on babies until as an adult I read this book. And, and I realized what was happening in my country while I was a teenager that set the course... For the current view, anti-God view toward babies. And when I read the history of what happened with Margaret Sanger, and when I read the history of, and read what the Bible, good teaching from the Bible on God's view of babies and God's view of children. And so, you, you're, you're being raised in a culture, you have been raised, or you are being raised in a culture that is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-baby. You need to start... By developing a biblical worldview toward babies and families. And this is a great book. We've got it in the bookstore. I just set a copy aside with a note for, the, uh, for it to be put in the library this week. And so it will eventually be in our church library. So you can check it out and read it. If you don't want to buy a copy, we've got about ten copies in the bookstore, I think. Excellent book to help develop a worldview, a biblical worldview, how God sees Babies and children. That's a great place to start. And then I love uh, Dennis Gudrison's book, Your Child's Profession of Faith, to help parents who, who very much want our children to be saved, but we don't want to rush them into saying a canned prayer and telling them that saved them, and then find out later in life that they are not saved at all. And so Dennis Gunderson wrote a great book on Your Child's Profession of Faith, 
Highly, highly recommend it. You've got to be educated as a parent to have your children brought under the influence of Jesus Christ. You must be educated and you won't get that from today's culture. You have got to find good resources to educate you on a biblical perspective of family. Number two, talk to your child every day about God. You know what the relationship with God is? You get them to tell you when they got saved, if they say they are saved. Have you, when was the last time you told them about when you got saved and all the details about your salvation? Do you talk to them about what God is doing in their life this week? Talk to your child every day about God. Read the Bible to him or her and pray with them. Read the Bible in your home. Study the Bible in your home. Uh, pray with your kids. Give your child a memory of your Christianity. Let them see your marked up Bible. You know, someone's commented, I, I'd never thought about it until just not too, uh, but just a few months ago, someone commented that, that our technological age has created a situation where a lot of people's study Bibles, a lot of people's Bibles are just electronic. When they lose their phone, they lose their Bible. They have to get, get another phone. And, and get that. What, what do they have to leave with their kids? I've got my dad's Bible with things underlined in it, notes in the margins. Do you know what the next generation of kids aren't going to have? When they get rid of your cell phone and your iPad, they have no history of your walk with God. Of the passages of Scripture that you took notes around, that you underlined and you wrote comments on. And you have lost your influence of bringing your Christianity alive in your children's lives. I would say, make sure you give your child a memory of your Christianity. Tell them how you got saved. Bring your children to every church service. Let them see that you prioritize God and God's kingdom work as higher priority than other things in your life. And volunteer to serve in ministries and activities that focus on your child's age group. I think that's a great thing for parents to do. When parents... They get involved in the church ministries that are geared to the age their children are right then. So they can be a part of the church's influence in their children's lives. Along with the other children who are the peers of their children. Oh, these are just some ideas. What an awesome privilege and responsibilities parents have to bring children to Jesus Christ. And then church, we've got to do our job. Church must do its job. How do we do our job? Well, we support parents in their work. Remember, if you do the work of parents and let them off the hook, then you've hurt the family in the long run. We don't do the work of parents. We want to support parents in their work of passing their faith to their children. How can we support parents holding them accountable making sure they're having family devotions, making sure they're actively passing their faith to their children, because we can't do in 45 minutes what a parent can do all week long. It won't happen. But we can support parents. And then we can have a safety net of ministries to help catch the children who don't have saved parents or don't have parents that give a rip about their kids' eternity. And are too busy and too lazy to parent their children in spiritual things. And so we as a church can have a safety net of activities and ministries and programs to help the children who would otherwise fall between the cracks. Jesus loves children. We need to get children under Jesus' influence in our homes and here in our church.